My great to wealth listeners, I have to apologize in advance for the sound quality of the show. As you know, our goal is to produce the best content with the best production quality. With that aim, we were moving a few tech pieces around and unfortunately we missed a mark. We will continue to improve it and hopefully this is the last time you'll hear a sound quality like this. Regardless, I would not let a little bit of an echo in the sound in the episode deter you from listening to amazing insights that Dana Samuelson our guest today has shared he is wealth of knowledge when it comes to precious metals and most importantly when it comes to gold so tune in enjoy the show take some notes and i will see you again here the fed's got to get rates to 4 or 5% and if inflation is still strong they can't back off but once they do the dollar will come way back down and precious metals will surge. So I think there's a two, three, four, five, maybe six month window. It may not be that long. Precious metals are on sale and gold and silver right now are on sale. Are you ready to transform your life? This is a no-nonsense show helping immigrants like you create generational wealth even while working full time. Get ready to take notes. Here's your host, Socket Jane. Welcome everyone. Today I have the privilege to present to you one of the leading expert in gold and precious metals actually. His name is Dana Samuelson. Dana is president of American Gold Exchange, ENI, Roman same circles, we have we are part of the same masterminds. And you know what Dana is coming back from a New Orleans investment conference. We're actually catching him at the best time. Everything is so fresh in his mind. Where uh, for those of you who don't know New Orleans Investment Conference it's essentially a conference of it is the oldest running conference in the world for investments a lot of focus is about current market situation the macro and the role that precious metals play in our crazy world so dana with that said welcome to the show it's my pleasure to be here with you socket uh, happy to talk to you today awesome dana how was the noic Oh it was great. It was great. Brian London who is a my old colleague going back to the 80s. We both worked for Jim Blanchard who was the man that was personally responsible for the private relegalization of gold ownership in the United States in 1974. Brian who runs the conference and took it over from Jim after he passed away has done an excellent job bringing in uh masterminds from around the world actually to cover the macroeconomic picture, the hard money picture, you know, debt, inflation, mm-hmm interest rates uh we it was cutting edge information and uh i've i've been going for 20 years and i get to see a lot of old friends and make some new ones every year i know i was signed up for that unfortunately because of family situation i couldn't go next one for sure man next one for sure well then thank you again because i know you just came back from travels so appreciate you your time then i know you do not need introduction in the circles that you're in but my audience may not necessarily know about you I do want to add one thing before I give the mic to you is you are the only person I buy my gold from. And thank you for thank you for always delivering never missing it. Your team has delivered whatever they've told me and even though the price fluctuates I get the price that I've locked in at. So I really appreciate that. Right, we run a real simple straightforward business. We're a national precious metals mail order dealer. We basically we say what we do and we do what we say. We're very competitively priced. I've been in the I started the American Gold Exchange 24 years ago. Next year be my 25th year as the business owner. I've been in the marketplace for 42 years. It's all I've ever done in my professional career. I'm a past president of the Professional Numismatists Guild, which is the leading organization of rare coin dealers in the country. Uh, I helped to establish the industry anti-counterfeiting task force. in 2016 when I was the P&G president which is a way to combat spurious merchandise coming into the country mostly from China now if you deal with a reputable dealer like myself stay out of pawn shops stay out of online trading platforms stay out of some of the online auction platforms and deal with a reputable long-time dealer you'll be just fine you do have to be a little careful who you do business with so, so wh- wh- why is that Dana Like why is it? Because uh, what's the difference between buying from you? I mean, I would never buy from anyone else but you. But but for my audience, what's the difference between buying from you versus buying from a pawn shop? Well, there is a growing but modest problem with Chinese counterfeits. There's a whole little town in the backwoods of China that's knocking off, been knocking off 
precious metals coins and vintage coins wow. for seven years now. And they come into the country through you know back channels, basically, the black market. And yeah, deals that are a little too good to be true always seem to be a little too good to be yeah, true. To, to be true. Pawn yeah. shops don't know what they're doing when it comes to determining whether something's real or fake. Got it. And professional dealers like myself, you know, my hands and my eyes have probably seen more physical gold coins than just about anybody else in the country over the last 25 years. And, you know, true, real gold coins have certain aesthetics to them, the way they look, the way they sound, testing devices. You know, bars are particularly problematic because their designs are simple. Where sovereign minted one ounce coins, which are really just round bars minted by a government like the US or the Royal Canadian Mint, the British Royal Mint, Australian Mint, they have designs that are more intricate and they all have anti counterfeiting design elements built into them now, some obvious and some not so obvious to deter this problem. So that's very important for your listeners. Number one, deal with a reputable dealer who has an impeccable reputation, who's been in the business for a long time. If you do that, 99% of the problem I've just described, you will never be uh, exposed to. Okay, perfect, perfect. So before we go deep into your understanding of precious metal, gold, silver, and all the other good stuff, let's talk about audience. So the the show is called Migrate to Wealth. And as we were talking about before the air, uh, before we went online, the most important word is migrate, it's transformation. It's like, how did you, I mean, I don't know many people who as a child said that I want to be a gold dealer when I grow up. So what was your migration journey that got you to where you are right now, Dana? Well, uh, it wasn't intentional at first, but it became that way. I got out of college in 1980 with a German degree. And that was Mm. like, you know, most college kids getting out of college in 2008 or 2009 with any degree. Right. The economy back then was driven like it is right now. High inflation, high interest rates, recession. Uh, Most companies weren't hiring. So I got hired to work in a vault where I could be trusted. My brother worked for the business that hired me. And they needed someone to back up the person who worked in their vault, counting, shipping, and weighing physical product. We were a large buyer uh, in the region in Houston, Texas, for three Mm -hmm. or four states of physical silver and gold, and also silver coins out of Mexico, a big volume. And so I literally started at the kitchen sink. And then I was hired to be a numismatist, which is a coin nerd or a coin appraiser by Blanchard and company, Jim Blanchard in New Orleans. And I went to work for Jim for two years. I sat in a room and I appraised vintage U.S gold and silver coins. Well, when the coin buyer would go to a coin show, I went up to the trading desk and became substitute trader. The next thing you know, I was a trader and soon I was a senior trader and I was spending $50 million worth of Jim's money every year with the industry. So I got to know all the players and this was back in the mid eighties. Now, two of my best friends who are my peers at that time are still my peers. One of them runs a U.S. mint distributorship on the East Coast and one runs a U.S. mint distributorship for gold and silver coins on the west coast got us they helped me i have covered you've covered the entire us yeah yeah Yeah. i'm extremely well placed as i said i'm a png past president so i know everybody in the business that matters and uh this has been good to me and uh, all we try and do is run a real simple straightforward business our we have online pricing on our website completely transparent you know when we make a transaction and we lock the price in if it goes up, we don't call you up and ask you for more money. If it goes down, you still have to pay us what we agreed to. Everything we sell, uh, we guarantee to be genuine or authentic, and we'll buy back what we sold to you as well. And I deal in mainstream products, nothing esoteric, nothing unusual, that's sellable anywhere. So if something were to happen to me or my business, any product you would buy from me, you know, any major dealer in the country would recognize it immediately or around the world for that mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So let's pull that thread a little bit. And of course, I'm, now I know why your hands can touch a coin and tell whether it's whether it's real or not, because that's what you've done throughout your professional life. Yeah, um, that's all you've done. So I think that that I can appreciate that, and why you're so knowledgeable about the industry. You've seen a lot in the industry for sure. 
So, um, Dina, why, you know, one question that I know I get asked every time, and I'm a believer in precious metal, I have it. Why physical gold, right, versus a gold ETF or investing in a gold mine company, which is public? What's the advantage? And let's take a deeper dive into that because then we'll go into, you know, follow that thread to kind of see when should you buy gold, what are the timing and all that good stuff. But let's figure out why even look at physical gold. Well, physical gold is a way for you to take some of your money out of the banking system or mm-hmm. harvest some of the equity out of your real estate and have an asset that has no counterparty risk, number one. Number two, the dollar loses value every year due to inflation, even when inflation is 2% a year. Now, we're really feeling it this year with inflation at 7 8 9%, right? Yep. So that's a destruction of purchasing power. And gold tends to hold its value over time, especially well. So physical gold is also something that is completely portable. It's easy to carry a lot of true wealth in your hands. 100 ounces of gold will fit in my hands. It weighs Mm -hmm. about eight pounds. It's the size of a paperback novel, right? That would be $170,000 worth of money you could put in your pocket literally and walk around and nobody knows you have it. It's also transferable. Right. So once you have it, you can give it to your heirs or somebody else. Mm -hmm. And it's a private transaction. Got it. So it has those attributes. Now, an ETF is a way to harness the price movement of metal on paper effectively, but it's not really a great way to invest in gold for the long term or to hold gold because you've got to make sure that the ETF actually has the gold they're supposed to have that, you know, to back their ETF. Now, mining stocks are another way to harvest uh, price movement, Mm -hmm. but you're betting on a business, the company that actually mines the gold in the ground. Is their deposit good? Is their business management good? Are they making smart decisions? You know, now with energy prices up, you know, actually the profitability of some mining companies is lower because those big machines need a lot of diesel to run them. Correct, 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 correct. So there's three different things there. And Physical gold and silver are basically a way for you to have some of your money off to the side, out of the banking system with little risk. Mm -hmm. It may not make you rich, Mm -hmm. but it's an excellent insurance policy against financial trouble. Gold performed remarkably well during the great financial crisis. It went from about six, seven hundred an ounce all the way to 1900. When COVID hit and the debt ballooned 20 percent in a year. You know, gold went from about eighteen. I'm sorry, about sixteen hundred dollars an ounce to over two thousand dollars an ounce. Right, a little weak in price right now for reasons we'll get into in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But physical gold is a way for you, and silver is a way for you to have your own savings account savings in metals that's not in the banking system in case something happens with the banking system. Yes, I think you said three. I, I got three things out of it, right? And I, I believe in all those. We got avoid the counterparty risk. It's portable and it's transferable, correct? Right. These are three key aspects of it. Portability and transferability is very clear to everybody, right? Why is counter, not, not that everyone's going to start carrying gold bars in their pocket, but you could. And there's, it, it's also, it could be a part of the estate planning process, right? It could be if you wanted to make it that part. Now, what is such a big benefit of avoiding the counterparty risk? Well, sometimes you don't know what the counterparty risk is. For example, the British pension system has had a big problem over the last month Mm -hmm. because their pension funds are invested in British treasury bills, the gilts, 10-year treasury bonds called gilts. Mm -hmm. But what we didn't know, what wasn't general information, was that those gilts weren't paying a high enough yield over the last four, five, six years. So what did the what did the pension funds do to raise their yield? They did credit swaps with financial houses, mm-hmm. gave them leverage. So they right. earned a greater yield, three or four times a greater yield on their investment, on something that was safe. All of a sudden, the um, we get into inflation, interest rates go up. Now the pound, the value of the pound, and also the value of the bonds is dropping. And then the new government comes in and gives it or wants to give everybody a tax cut, which creates a mm-hmm. crisis of confidence. And suddenly that leverage worked against them three or four times. Got it. So what happened was the pension funds had a margin call. 
That's counterparty, counterparty risk. risk. Right. What was the only thing they had to sell that was liquid was more bonds. More bonds. So they created a death spiral on their own holdings, right. which is why the Bank of England, which the day before announced tightening, yeah. said that they had to create a $65 billion fund to right. buy bonds to support it, to hold everything in check, or else the system would have come apart at the seams. Now, who would have thought that that kind of counterparty risk mm -hmm. existed? Right. Yes. I think what we're essentially saying is if you have the physical gold in your possession, you have more control and how much risk you want to put on it. Correct. Right. So let's you, say you decide that. Right. So something simpler. You have a tenant. He doesn't pay his rent. You have to mm -hmm. pay the mortgage. That is your counterparty risk. Right. 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 I've never heard it explained that simply. So I think yeah, well, that that basically makes sense. That's counterparty risk. Most yeah. people don't think about it, but that is counterparty risk. Got it. Got it. So I'm sold on it. I mean, I don't have any gold ETF funds uh, or anything else. So I think, you know what, this physical asset is the best asset to own when it comes to precious metals. So not, now, actually, when we talk about precious metals, the two, two most important metals that I always think about, gold and silver, right? So let's talk about that for a second, because we've talked a lot about gold so far. What about, do the same principles apply for silver as well? And where are they in the cycles right now? Between, because they're always, I'm assuming they're not correlated, highly correlated, but they move pretty, actually they should be correlated. Is that is that true? Yeah, they are correlated in price, but gold is more stable. If the gold price oscillates like this, mm -hmm. the silver price oscillates at a wider degree. Got it. Above and below the gold price. It's more volatile. Number one. Number mm -hmm. two, gold is really the currency of last resort. So because it's easy to store, it's it's compact, mm -hmm. right? If you have the same amount of silver in dollars as you do in gold, you have a pile that's 80 or 90 times bigger. Got it. Right? So $170,000 worth of silver would require a bigger a space, space yeah. and a, a couple of wheelbarrows to move around. Got that same amount of gold you can put in your pocket. Now, gold is portable, transferable wealth. Silver is really spending money in a crisis. If you want hard money to spend in the face of a currency devaluation or default or a real economic problem, silver is your spending money because it's a much lower denomination per ounce or Got value it. per ounce. <laughs> and I think for the same reason you want to hold it. In, in physical possession, because if you don't, then um, if you have a silver ETF, I don't even know if they exist. If they do, then it's not a spending money. Right, right. It's just harnessing the price of movement on paper up or right. down. Right. right. So silver's really spending money in a crisis, but it's it takes up more room. Mm -hmm. So your storage problem could be bigger, which yeah. it will be. If you it have will be. Right. Yeah. But it really is. It's good to have some, especially one ounce silver sovereign minted coins that anyone will recognize. Mm -hmm. So we have this question a lot. I don't know if you remember Y2K. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, that was around the time I came from the India. Yeah, well, we that's exactly when we thought the computers would fail. People will ask, well, yeah. what do I do if there's a crisis? Nobody can can do any transactions because there's no computers. Well, we're all going to be out seat of the pants negotiating ability. But yeah. if you want a gallon of gas or a loaf of bread or a gallon of milk and there's a problem, and you have a one ounce silver coin and somebody else has paper money, yeah. you're probably going to end up at the front of the line to get that product. True. Right. True, so that's true. True. That's silver is for. So now, Dana, you know, so let's just say somebody at $170,000 for now. We'll talk about that because of the ounce of gold versus the amount of silver. Where would I store it? Because, um, you know, if somebody knows that I have $170,000 worth of precious metal in my house and eventually it may leak out. Because someone, either I'm too drunk somewhere and I'm posting it, or my kids may just say that. How do you keep that? How do you keep that in a position which is actually safe? Well, we used to recommend bank safe deposit boxes as the safest place to store your precious metals, but we don't recommend them anymore. Uh, some banks are writing, specifically writing coins or precious metals out of the charters. Okay. And I think it's because people, tit when they have physical precious metals, tend to go in and out of the boxes a lot more. A lot more, right service problem for the banks. There are private storage facilities that we have a list of we can recommend to you. There's a couple of professional ones, mm -hmm. and there are a few private ones that are just like safe deposit box facilities a bank group run, only they're private. 
if you want to get a safe, you can get a home safe. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and gun safes are good, but they're not that great. So there are safes that are better for precious metals if you want one. But basically, gold is easy to store. You can take that air conditioning cover off of your yeah. wall and pull that off. Two screws, put a little gold in there behind the wall, put the cover Nobody back. Nobody would know. Yeah. Somebody, yeah, but you want to make sure somebody besides yourself knows, knows about it. it. Hey, right. something happens to you, number one. And number two, you don't want to get drunk and start talking about it in the bar. <laughs> and people, it's funny, our customers, they get on the phone with us and they start telling us, you know, where they've got their metal. And I just say, no, no, I don't, don't tell me. Yeah, right, 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 right. Now, I think, I think that's a very important piece, right? Because I think part of, part of the problem that people want to buy ETF is because there's no storage issue, right? Right. Where it's all electronic. Now the risk is different. But that's it. So, but you, but you're from what I'm hearing from you is, you can keep it in your home, and you can still keep it in a way which is more responsible and safe. But you also have other options, which is a third-party storage facility. And what happens to those facility in the event of risk? Because you know, part of that is, let's say silver. Silver is a spending money at the time of the crisis. At the time of the crisis, how will you access these storage facility? So, are we saying keep some at home regardless? Right. Yes. Yeah. You want to have some on hand one way or the other within it's basically you want to have it accessible 24 hours a day and you want to be able to sleep at night. Those are right. the fundamental rules. Sometimes they work against each other, mm -hmm. right? It just depends on what you're comfortable with. Like the house that I owned before the house I'm in now, when I did a rehab, I had them put an in-ground safe in the bedroom closet and I had them build a custom cabinet above it right. with false bottom and nobody knew it was there. Mm. My, me and my uh, my family knew it was there. When I right. sold the house, I didn't even list it on the sales disclosure agreement, and I had to tell the new owners, you know, where it was and show them where it was. You know, after about a month after they bought it, so they got a little bonus they didn't know they. There were you go, it. perfect. I think you know my fear always is if somebody's installing a safe in my house, they know I have a safe in the house. How do you avoid that? You don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you, can get, you can get a portable safe. <laughs> Airy, it's a little heavy, but right. you know you can buy a safe and put it where you want to. Got it. In your house. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, I think we can talk about that again. I, I mean, I love holding gold because I think and silver because these are great assets. But let's actually go to some of the basic economics around it, right? So, kind of like you—you you just came back from NOIC. We were talking about it. So, what was the era in for three, four days? What was discussion? What were the key highlights? Can you share with us, which was all about uh, kind of stating about the current, what's happening in the current markets and what are we seeing in the gold and silver prices? Sure. Well, basically the theme of information this year was pretty uniform because the problems we're all facing, we're all facing the same problems, which mm -hmm. is one. We had COVID, so our supply chain got interrupted. So there's less products, mm -hmm. right? And we told people to go home and sit on their butts and not make more. Course. And we gave them a lot of money mm -hmm. to spend. So if suddenly there's a 20% growth in the available pool of money that went directly to the public this time for the first time, like 2008, that money went to the banks right. and ended up more in the stock market than anywhere else. Well, this time people had the money and they spent it. So they strained a supply chain that was impaired, mm -hmm. created the inflation that we have. Okay, right. And then the war in the Ukraine came along this past February and amplified the problems. Correct. Right. So now we have inflation that is the hottest inflation that we've had in 40 years, eight, nine, 10, 11%, depending on where you are. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Okay. And now, so what do you have? Central banks are raising the cost of financing. The federal funds rate in the US is going up at the fastest and highest rate it's been at. Mm -hmm. it's going it's been changed at in 20 years you know it took the fed two years to get to two and a half percent from zero between 2016 and 2018 now they're at 3.1 percent they'll be 3.85 percent right. in the november meeting in a couple of weeks in four or five months right so what's happening is you know an economy that is at a zero percent interest rate for six or eight years like ours was mm -hmm. that's that's a patient on life support yeah. Right. Yeah. And what's happened? The blood pressure, the patient's blood pressure, inflation has gone up, mm -hmm. right? Surging dramatically. So what does the doctor do? He takes the patient off of life support. <laughs> right. So 
basically the result is over the last three to six months is the U.S. economy remains a better economy relative to almost every other economy in the world, not by a large amount. We're not doing that great. It's just everyone else is doing worse. Mm -hmm. We've seen money from Japan where the Fed funds rate there, the bank rate of Japan's rate is a quarter point in an economy that's doing 2% a year. Right. You get 0.25% on a 10-year Japanese bond. China's weak. Their housing sector's in trouble. Europe's Mm -hmm. in a whole lot of trouble because of the war of the Ukraine and energy prices primarily. Mm -hmm. Great Britain, we know the problems that they have there. So all those countries are more problematic. So the money from around the world has come out of those economies and it's coming into the U.S. for safe haven, into our treasury bills, into our stock market. And Mm -hmm. the gateway is the dollar. Right. So every other currency in the world has dropped dramatically. The yen's down 20% this year. The euro's down 20% this year. The British pound is down 20% this year to a 35-year low against the dollar. The dollar's up 20% against all these currencies. These are gigantic currency moves that you seldom see simply because that money's coming here to find a better place to be safe, number one, and number two, to grow a little bit. But we're still paying rates that are below the inflation rate. So the Mm -hmm. yield is negative. But what happens is the higher Fed funds rate and the high, and the strong dollar are creating abnormal pressures within the world's economies. So credit markets, the biggest markets in the world, are starting to be affected in ways that we didn't expect. We talked about the British pounds. I'm sorry, the British gilts a few minutes yes, ago. Right. Now, the Swiss just needed a $6 billion currency swap to help liquefy them a little bit. The Swiss government... Their fund is in the U.S. stock market. They've got a lot of big stock positions. And the stock market here in the U.S. has dropped, what, 10, 15 percent the last three months. So inflation is creating a lot of unusual pressures right now. And that was the theme. So the question is, what's really going to happen next? Will something major break? Mm -hmm. And if that happens, precious metals will catch a bid. Right now, gold and silver prices are distorted to the low side in the United States. They're abnormally low relative to the dollar because the dollar's abnormally strong. Right. But if you go to Japan, gold is up 14% in yen this year. If you go to Europe, gold is up about 10% in euros. If you go to Great Britain, gold is up 9% in British pounds. So it's more of a currency play right now than anything else. And a strong dollar, too strong for too long, tends to break things. There's a chart that I have uh, that shows over the last 15, 20 years, Every time the dollar got too strong against other currencies, we had problems. We had right. Russian default in 97. We had a Mexican peso crisis back in 82. Mm-hmm. You know, with the great financial crisis, the dollar surged for a while. We'll show the chart down below in, in chat. We'll include the show notes. Yeah, but when the dollar gets too strong for too long, it tends to break things. And it's really starting to strain the system. And the whole problem with the British pound and the British uh, gilts is just another example of that so that was the major theme of conference and will inflation come down enough where the fed can actually start to back off or pivot Mm -hmm. now while we were at the conference the inflation print for september came out higher than people thought it would right that locked in another quarter point sorry three quarter point rate hike for november Mm -hmm. i think the fed is going to have another half a point or three quarter point rate hike in december right Point is, once the Fed, they've got their foot on the brakes hard right now, trying to slow down demand. So people will buy less, help prices come down some, and let the supply chain catch up. That's going to happen. But rents and wages are sticky inflation. And wages are up 6-7%. They're still below the inflation rate. And rents are up 6% year on year. And they're 30 to 40% of the underlying inflation. Right. Don't reset quickly. Like the price of oil can go up and come back down. The price mm-hmm. of food can go up and food prices are way up this year. Correct. And that's probably because of the war in Ukraine. But rents could are going to take longer to reset because of leases. You know, you mm-hmm. leases renewed on an annual basis. So higher rent prices aren't always realized immediately. I think that there's a baseline of about 6%, which is due to rents, that inflation will have a hard time going under for the next three to six, maybe nine months. 
right? That's God. first quarter or yeah. first half of next year. And the Fed's got to get rates to 4 or 5%. And if inflation is still strong, they can't back off. But once they do, the dollar will come way back down and precious metals will surge. So I think there's a, a two, three, four, five, maybe six-month window. It may not be that long. Mm-hmm. Precious metals are on sale. And gold and silver right now are on sale in the United States, specifically because gold's down about 7% this year. Silver's down about 10 12% yeah. dollars this year, just because the dollar is so strong right now. So gold and silver are sale. Absolutely uh, on sale in dollars right now. Dana, there was so much gold in that you just shared right now. So I'm going to try and get through 12 it, because I think, of course, this is second nature to you. And um, some of the stuff that you said, my audience may not understand. I'm not saying they're not smart enough. They have a pretty smart audience, but there's a lot of technical stuff that you just shared with us. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm, second nature for me these days. Exactly. So I'm going to try and get through 12 it, and you correct me if I'm saying something incorrect, right? I think the biggest challenge that we see is right now inflation. I think everyone, if people haven't heard about inflation, they've been sleeping on the rock, right? So everyone understands why we are in that situation. It's the history of 0% rates. And then our real rates have been negative for a while. But now that problem, that root cause is now is the printing of free money. But the symptom of that is inflation. So we have that situation now. We're trying to figure now, now it is if the inflation is high, why is dollar moving to, why is gold moving on the reverse side? Why is dollar reducing the value? Because that's a fair question, right? Because if hard assets are supposed to go up in pricing with inflation, gold would have gone up. But I think now the thesis and the reason rational behind that is what you're saying is dollar has every other currency in the world has deflated in comparison to dollar, right? To the extent of 20%, some 9%, so somewhere in that range, somewhere between 10 to 20% is a range where yen, the euros, and everything else has been depreciated. Right. And these are these are rocket ship moves correct? in the currency market. They're gigantic moves, higher and lower, which you seldom see. So just- Perfect. No, that's important. That's important. So that's a good reference point because that was going to be my next question as in how much is 20%? So 20% is a gigantic move, right? Yeah. So because of those moves in those currencies, dollars has gone up. However, sorry, gold has gone up. But when you look at the gold prices in the dollar terms, because dollar has appreciated so much because of other currencies going down, what we're now seeing is the gold prices are at a discount but right. not for too long. I think the thesis that you have there is the dollar at some point is going to crash because, uh, and it has historically crashed. Once it right. gets way too strong, it's going to come down. And when that comes down, the, the goal is again going to go up. So we have a period of window between two to four to five, two to six months, lesser than that, but closer towards the two, but somewhere between that range where if somebody were thinking about buying the gold, now would be an opportunity to buy them because as per the rationale that we just provided them, it's on sale, not because the gold prices are down, it's because dollar is artificially inflated because right. everything else is going, every other currency is going down. Is that a fair interpretation? Yeah, that's perfect. Now, there's one thing that's missing, which is something breaks mm-hmm. in a major economic way. Gold climbs a wall of worry and uh-huh. it will shoot up, it will shoot up very quickly like it did it caught about an 80 dollar bid when the british had their currency and guilt problem a couple weeks back it went from about 1650 to 1730 in two days got a big move higher because gold climbs a wall of worry and during the last inflationary cycle in the 70s 1965 to 1980 we had three waves of inflation with the second wave being bigger and the third wave being bigger than the previous wave or two Mm -hmm. simply because they didn't snuff inflation out during the first wave, which is why the Fed is insistent now that they've got to get inflation under control. But if they don't, because if they don't do it, mm-hmm. the chances for prolonged and higher inflation over time are worse. Got it. And the Fed is on the brakes hard right now. They're raising rates very aggressively. As soon as they start to slow down the braking or even take their foot off the brake, that doesn't mean they're easing. It just means they're not raising as fast or even raising at all. We'll start to see some of this equilibrium between the dollar and the other currencies start to narrow, and that'll bring gold up too. 
So on that note, which I, I think is a, it's a correct thesis because that's where I believe in too, what happens to gold in between now and next six months? So let's just say if six months is a target, you know, most people try to time. Okay, it's at 16, 40, 16. It's in somewhere in low 1600s right now. Is it going to go lower? Is it going to go higher? Should we buy now? Should I wait it? Because you can't at that price point where it dollar cost averaging may not be the way people think about buying gold, right? So how do people wrap their brain around it? Well, with all the debt that we have and the problems that we have, and the fact that we're not going to go back to you know globalization and uh, just on time inventories that were humming as smoothly as they ever could in 2018, mm-hmm. the world is more bifurcated now. Look what's happening with Russia and Ukraine, yeah. China and Taiwan. We're not going to go back to that easy time. We're probably going to be in a moderate inflationary period for years. Mm-hmm. Right? We're in it's just it's this window right now that's unusual. So I don't think we're going to get six months of cheap gold. I think we could get three or four. So I wouldn't try and time it, but I would try and cost average a little bit over the next two or three, four months. Okay. So is there that. Uh, so on that note, if we try to do a dollar cost averaging, is it more expensive? Actually, no. you know what? Let's talk about let's talk about one thing before we go that right. When we buy gold from someone like you, in my case, like in my case, you, if I buy one ounce of gold versus ten ounces of gold, are the prices different? And then if you're going to ship it to me, which you do, if I'd start doing dollar cost averaging at a cost that I'm adding on to my purchases, can you hold it for me and then you give it to me in bulk? How does that work? Well, we do charge a little bit more for a little less volume. We have okay. one to nine ounce price, a 10 to 19 ounce price, 20 to 39 ounce price, a 40 plus price mm-hmm. per ounce. We tend to give our, our friends in the industry, our real estate friends, you know, volume mm-hmm. discounts for small orders. Right. And we do ship for free. Every order over $1,000, which is an ounce of gold, is over that. If you want to buy an ounce a month for a couple of months and you want to help us a little bit, we can sit on your first purchase or two and ship three of them together in one package. That's one way to do it. But I really do think that this window of opportunity that we have is unusual. Mm-hmm. You know, Gold under $1,750 an ounce to me is cheap. Got it. Could see it get a little under sixteen hundred dollars an ounce, but I think if that if it gets to fifteen ninety five, it's going to look very attractive to a lot of people. I think there'll be a lot of support at sixteen hundred, mm-hmm. and we're, we're getting close to testing that now. So I don't think there's a lot more liability in the gold price. Got it. And what about and silver? Silver right now is about eighteen fifty an ounce. Mm-hmm. I think silver under twenty one fifty is cheap, but as I said, it oscillates at a wider, more volatile range. And that's just where it's at right now. If you measure the gold and silver prices against each other, we simply divide the gold price by the silver price Mm -hmm. to get the ratio of how many ounces it takes of silver to equal one ounce of gold. Mm -hmm. And that ratio right now is averaging about 85 to 1. Historically, over the last 25 years, anything over 80 to 1 means silver is cheap relative to gold. Got it. Ratio 65 to one, that's about parity. So silver is cheap relative to gold right so let's, now. Let's, let's actually revisit that, right? So I think what uh, the ratio, I think that's an important piece. So um, what you just mentioned is when you're looking to compare whether silver is cheap or gold is cheap in competitive basis, you're basically saying take the price of gold, divide that by price of silver, one ounce. Right. right. Because what we have now, now the intuition behind that is you're trying to say how much ounce of silver you need to buy that would equate to one ounce of gold, correct? Right. So that's the intuition behind it. So you're basically saying is any time that ratio of gold price to silver price is over 80, Mm -hmm. silver is considered cheaper than gold. Right. It takes more ounces of silver than it should to equal that ounce of gold means silver is undervalued relative to gold. And right now that ratio is at 84. Yeah, it's 84, 85, 86 to one right now, which is historically high. Mm-hmm. High. And then when we talked about gold, which is gold is gold is gold, uh, when the times are bad, right? Especially when, when there's distress in the market, people tend to flock towards, and the dollar is dropping, people trying to flock towards gold. Is that same towards silver? Yeah, gold leads, and that's why it's more in demand when things are bad, but mm-hmm. then silver follows and plays catch up. And it tends to play catch up when it does with a vengeance. 
Like when COVID hit, gold went from about 1,600 an ounce all the way to over 2,000. Mm -hmm. And silver lagged for a couple of months. It couldn't really get over $19 an ounce. But when it did, it went to 29 in about a month on a bullet. bullet. So that's why silver has pent up potential. And when gold gets too expensive, people look to silver. They look at the ratio mm-hmm. and they say, oh, I can get a better value in silver right now. And that adds suddenly a lot of pressure into the silver market, which can prop the price up higher, which is why it Got has it. higher volatility. No, that's perfect. And thank you for reviewing that. You know what? One thing I was thinking about as we were talking about here is we talked two different things, right? Where It could seem like we're contradicting the two. So let's talk about that. So we're talking about watching these prices go up and down in the matter of months. And then in the same breath, we also say it's a longer term hold, right? So help us understand that, how you help your clients view that, because as I see precious metal, no matter what price you buy it, you're holding it to not trade within one month. You're holding it to use it as a hedge against some risk event in the future. And that may not, that may come in five months, that may not come in 20, who knows? Or that could be your generational wealth strategy. It could be a state planning strategy. So how do you help people? Like, what is the price fluctuation of a few hundred dollars in gold versus a few dollars in silver? How important that is when you compare that against the long-term strategy of it making a portfolio play? It really doesn't matter in the great scheme too much. Of course, you always want to buy at the most opportune price and get the most for your money. But that's not always the case. The fact of the matter is the governments around the world have been mismanaging their portfolios of assets and liabilities or revenue to expenses for decades now. Mm-hmm. You know, our debt in the United States was $5 trillion in 1996. It was $10 trillion in 2008. It was $20 trillion in 2017, 18. It's $30 trillion now. Right. And that's a dilution of the purchasing power of the dollar. So if you're buying gold and silver, especially physical gold and silver, you should look at it as a savings account that you do not want to touch unless you absolutely need to. Mm. And you just keep saving your money, a little bit of it, 5 to 10% of it in gold and silver, and just keep stacking over time. Because the one thing that we know for sure is that the governments will continue to devalue their currencies through overspending and undertaxing over a long period of time, which is why the gold price in my career has gone from $300 an ounce to $600 an ounce to $1,200 right. an ounce to $1,600 an ounce. And it you know hit two, two, over 2000 recently. So there's shorter term price swings, but the longer term trend is up, 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 up. And if you plot the gold price on a long-term basis against the debt, they're remarkably similar. Hmm. See, that's an interesting insight. Yep. They're remarkably similar. Now the debt just keeps going up and gold will go above and below that right. on a long-term trend line. So there's more opportune times than others. But you know, if you try and time it and miss the bottom by a little bit, most people then don't do anything. And that's Correct. the worst decision you can make. Right. I think because most of us are trained, unfortunately or fortunately, I think it's more unfortunately, by the Wall Street. Right? right. Um, and right. that's the only lens we know how to think. Right. Uh, but what we're basically saying is there's a different strategy. So on that note, Dana, I know you and... One of our mentors, uh, Russell Gray, talk about using precious metal and gold specifically as a complement to hard assets, especially real estate. Right. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Because I think that's a very, very powerful strategy when I heard the first time, which is really combining the gold and real estate together. Well, what you're actually doing is pairing gold with debt because Mm -hmm. the the value of the debt, when you can get debt on a cost-effective basis, when mortgages were three and four percent, mm-hmm. and you could borrow money at that rate, and the average gold price increase over the last fifteen years has been eight percent a year, right. it makes sense to take a mortgage and use that debt to buy precious metals with gold mm-hmm. in particular. Now, I did it with two properties I had that were paid in full. I borrowed against them over the last two years, right, at three and a half percent, and bought gold with that money. Now, there you can take that a step further. And take some of the money that you borrow and try and find a high yield note that will pay you a higher interest rate than you're going to pay on your mortgage against Mm -hmm. your real estate, Mm -hmm. right? So 
that way you can help to service the note that you have with on the right. mortgage with your high yield debt. So this gives you a couple of things. If you have equity in your properties and it's tied up, and then the mortgage and the the banking system seizes up like it did in two thousand nine, mm -hmm. you don't have liquidity. Correct. Right. But if you have gold, that is one of the most liquid things there is. So if you harvest some of the equity out of your property, mm -hmm. right. It def helps to defend that against someone who's going to try and sue you for something because you have a mortgage, right? right? You have that gold. Now, say we're going into a downturn like we're going into where housing prices are falling. Well, you have that gold and it's liquid, right? So if you want to try and get some of that equity out when the market's at the bottom, it could take you two or three months to get mm -hmm. that, you know, that note. And bankers don't want to lend when times are tough. You know, they right. give loans to dead people. Right. When the market's easy, of course. When the market's tough. They won't. So if you pivot out of some of that gold at the bottom of the market and add to your real estate holdings, that's one way you can leverage that. But basically, what you're doing is you're taking money and putting it, taking, borrowing it cheap, taking mm -hmm. it out of an asset that has equity in it, and putting it into the most safe, the safest currency there is, which is gold and silver. Yeah. So let me, let me actually just kind of again K through twelve it to make sure that uh, we simplify it. So I think what we're basically saying is. Especially the after after the point you made about debt and gold being essentially moving lockstep in a long term basis, right? Uh, on a, right. on any given moment, it may be up and down, but on a long term basis, they move at the same sort of percentage point differences. So that statement being true, what we're now saying is, when you're buying real estate, especially if your real estate was fully paid for, right, and you extract some money, you take a loan out of that money. Now you have to make sure that we can talk about that for a second. Is because it increases your debt service. So right. we'll have to figure out how to address that. And that's where the high yield note comes in. But let's assume you're basically able to take the money out of your, your home or your rental properties or some portfolio that you have, which is what you were calling as harvesting the equity. You took that money out. Now what we're saying is you can do multiple things with that equity because you have cash now. You can go buy another rental property, which a lot of folks do. Right. Or what now we're saying is use that money to buy gold, mm -hmm. right? And oh, by the way, if you want to be even smarter, you can buy a part of that in gold and part of that in a high-yielding notes, which essentially means you're buying a debt, right? Which is giving you more than the interest rate that you're borrowing the money at, ideally. Right. If you can do that, that's great. Especially in the times we had several months ago where you could borrow at 3%. And you and I know our service providers who can actually give you a 9% yield on mortgages, right? So now right. you're having a 6% difference between your cost of money is 3%. Your return on that borrowed money is 9%. You're having a spread of 6%. You're essentially becoming a bank now, right? And right. what we're now saying is you can pay three times the debt you could have with the money that you took out. So right. you can now take part of money and put it in the gold and still pay off your debt in double the time, in half the time, because you're making double the payment depending on how much you took out. So when you now combine the two strategies together, it becomes it creates a powerhouse strategy because now your your money is multiplying at a pace which is unimaginable. That's one, but you're also buying gold for free. Right. Is that true? Yeah, it can be done that way. It's a little bit more challenging now with the rates being higher. So there will be a little bit higher cost to carry, which would cost you a little bit of a premium on an annual basis. Right. The way the numbers well, work maybe right you now. don't. Maybe you didn't buy your gold for free. Well, you definitely didn't pay 100% that you would have paid in the market. Right. 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 Plus, you give something, you give yourself something that's very liquid. Yeah. But right. And Robert Helms said it to me best a, a couple months ago. He said, I buy real estate and I buy precious metals to give myself a present in 10 years. And awesome. Look at it that way. I mean, that's right. really a fantastic way to look at it. And I bought duplexes here in Austin 10 years ago. Right. They're worth double what they were 10 years ago. And they're, paid ago. Off. they're almost paid off right now. Right. Right. Now, I think these are great strategies. So, so Dana, how do people think about my strategy for my own portfolio is, and everyone knows that who I talk to is really 10, 80, 10, right? 10% is precious metals. And when I say precious metals, we're not talking about uranium or platinum or whatever, because every, every time I open up, open the web, there's a new metal that's being introduced that we've been trading. I'm talking about silver and gold, which is essentially cash. Right? As right. I look at it now, it may fluctuate in value, but I don't tend to use that cash anyways. It's, going to, it's just going to stay as an insurance. Then 80% in cash flowing assets, 
which in my case, and I know a lot in your case is real estate. And then 10% is really play money. Right. How do you think, how do you, what do you see your clients using precious metals as their portfolio? Well, my clients are, are not the same as your real estate people, right? Mm -hmm. Most of my clients don't trust the government. They don't trust the dollar. Mm -hmm. We've had more people who were trained to buy gold in the last 10 years due to the great financial crisis. Some of those people shed that gold in 2016, 2017, when the stock market was doing well and the economy here was doing well. But we go through cycles every time, and we're going through another one of those cycles now that's challenging. And gold right now is undervalued. So uh, if you have a you have about six to eight percent of your net worth mm -hmm. in gold, you have a hedge that is perfect against financial uncertainty, that insurance policy, right? Got it's it. enough to give you a counterbalance against financial insurance, whether stocks or bonds come down or real estate comes down, without taking too much opportunity away. Now, with the way the markets are now and the way real estate prices are heading. You know, you might want to have a little bit more dry powder than 80% because there's going to be some great buying opportunities. Mm -hmm. They're going to come up in the next six months, nine months, 12 months, a year or two as this cycle changes. Right. right? So you want to have be able to buy more when the prices get down. It just depends on how high the cost of those notes are. Of course. Of right. Course. But there's really hardly anything better for building wealth safely and creating positive cash flow than real estate. There truly is not. That's yeah. what I've learned from the real estate guys and through my own practice. So Robert Kiyosaki is the best envoy for this strategy, which is take your profits and put some of them into gold and silver and just keep stacking, which is what he's been doing for 40 mm -hmm. years, right? Thick and thin in the gold price, he just keeps stacking. Yeah, And he uses some of that money to buy more properties with that he makes money with and some of that money just to keep buying gold and silver with. Correct. Correct, correct. Now, I think that John, this this has been great, man. I, mean, I think so much information has been poured into us. We're coming towards the end of the show here, but I do want to ask a few more questions, which is not going to be gold centric, so you can relax. <laughs> you know, kind of, you have seen a lot of things happen in the market, right? And I know you mentioned that your migration into gold, the business of gold, has not been was not intentional but it's something that you enjoy. I can see that music in your ear. It's not like this is work for you. Uh, you actually enjoy it. So if you were to tell the 20-year-old self of you, which was just yesterday, what would you tell them, kind of like how to make migration into the life easy and more, more productive? And I say easy, easy could be interpreted as lazy. That's not it. It's like what is, how, do they, how should they look at migration in general? Well, you should try and understand what works for you, number one. Mm -hmm. I do think real estate is a tremendous wealth builder over time. Yeah. And I think precious metals are an excellent way to have that money that you earn in the safest currency there is with no counterparty risk. Right. So if I would try and get into real estate as quickly as I could, even if it was something small, mm -hmm. right, as fast as possible. And I would buy a few ounces of silver or an ounce of gold just to get started and feel what that's like in your hand, because yeah. then you're going to follow that value. Yeah. If you don't do these things, if you don't have that property that you manage or have to service, you don't learn, right? And this is about learning. Mm -hmm. Because the more you learn, the faster you learn, the more that you can grow. Right. So you're right? basically saying is put your skin in the game as soon as possible, because until you have your skin in the game... Everything that you know is theoretical. Right. And, and uh, you won't know it. There was a, a husband and wife who had two kids at the New Orleans Investment Conference. Mm -hmm. One was 15 and one was 12. Right. You know, I gave the 12-year-old, he came to my table wearing a suit mm -hmm. by himself. Here's a young wow. kid. There you go. I, gave, I gave him a silver quarter, the mm -hmm. last silver quarter the U.S. made in 1964. Russell Gray taught me, you know, that quarter would buy you a gallon of gas in 1964. Right. The very next year, they took the silver out of the money. In 1965, that quarter would buy you a gallon of gas. Right. Right. Today, that quarter from 1965 will get you a tenth of a gallon of gas or less, while right. that silver quarter will still get you a gallon of gas. Right. 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 That's the purchasing power of silver over time. So I gave this 12-year-old a quarter, right? I found out later he owns 32 rental properties. He's 12 years old. He's 12 years old. <laughs> 
and his brother, who's 15, owns 48. Wow. They were the talk of the conference. So much to learn from them. Because their parents were teaching them what real life experience was. Right. And even in right. the green room where all the speakers were, they were all talking about these two kids. You know? Wow, that, I'm inspired. I'm just kind of like, I, I, now I'm more bummed that I wasn't there. Because I would love to meet these kids because, you know, I have a seven and nine year old and I always talk about it. But these guys have actually done it. But they're just walking around learning. That's what they were doing. They were learning. Awesome. And they were quiet about it. They weren't bragging, nothing to be right. said. You had to, you had to ask the right person the right question to find out this information. Wow, that's amazing, Dana. That is amazing, Dana. You know, let's take a bigger perspective, Dana. That we talked about, you know, your life, your story, gold, market, whatever. Let's actually take a much broader perspective and a much bigger perspective. That's bigger than you and I. You know. Migration is important. I think you agree to that as people are going to migrate one way or the other. Hopefully the migration happens by will and you enjoy the process of migration instead of suffering the journey because life is going to force you to change. What is that one wish that you have for humanity? If humanity were to migrate towards something, what would you want the humanity to migrate towards? Knowing your wealth of experience and knowledge that you have seen. Well, on the biggest picture there is, is the planet. There's just almost too many people for the planet to support the way we're abusing the planet right now. Right. Right. I would like to see the human race respect the planet mm -hmm. and respect each other Yeah, you know, so that we can get along and feed each other and grow harmoniously. Yeah. And, you know, the, with, between countries and religions and politics uh, you know, there's a lot of strife. I just wish we had a much more harmonious world, which is why it's important for everyone who has kids to teach them well, to prepare them to be independent, to prepare them to provide for themselves. You know, when my dad was raising my, me and my brothers, mm -hmm. you know, a job was something you could have for a, the same company for an entire lifetime. Right. Those days are over, Right. We're going to have problems with our food supply and our water supply as time passes. We really have to be good stewards. Leave just footprints behind us. Yeah. And as much intelligence and information as we can. That's really what I think is the most important thing to do. Dana, I couldn't agree more with you because I think that is the most important thing. And that's probably the piece that's missing the most, unfortunately, yeah. right? We're becoming weaker by the generation. I'm 64 years old and I've got a four-year-old daughter at home and I worry about what her life will be when I'm gone. I'm pretty sure if they have the mentors, the 12 and 15-year-old kids, she'd be fine. <laughs> I, hope so. I hope I do as well as those parents have done. <laughs> so Dana, we, thank you again for sharing the wealth of knowledge. Now, if people are to find you, because I'm pretty sure at this point, People have way more questions than the answers, which is perfect. That's how I like to leave the things, because if they're asking questions, that means they're going to find answers. Where can they find you? My company is American Gold Exchange. We're in Austin, Texas. Our website is www.amergold.com. You can email info at amergold.com for email address. If they ask for me, I'll be happy to help them, right? I've got a team of uh, four account managers who help individuals uh, with their own personal situation, pick the right products, what might be best for them, gold or silver, U.S. coins, European coins, South African coins, whatever they may be. It's really not that complicated, right. but people have questions. So American Gold Exchange is our company name, and we have a website that's got a lot of information on it. It's transparent with live pricing on it. So I'm not afraid of the competition because we are the competition. There you go, man. You just keep beating yourself from the last pricing, from the last thing. No, I, I really appreciate it. And I was going to suggest something that I know Dana and his team will take care, good care of you. And if it helps, they're very open to discuss your personal situation, right? Kind of like where you are in your own journey, they can help make it a personalized approach because they're not a one-size-fits-all, which is, and nothing is one-size-fits-all. You're not buying from somebody who's just selling you because they want to sell. I think one of the core mission I believe, Dana, for you is education, which came out in this show. You want to share so that people can make educated decisions. 
Right. We're consultative in nature. We want you to be comfortable and uh, informed with what your decision is. You know, our business is based on repeat business and referrals. You know, that's really our marketing strategy. And if you don't take good care of people, that's not going to happen. And we're yeah, and if you if you if you contact Dana, you're not and he's you're not being taken good. Just let me know. I yeah, know where to find Dana. Yeah, <laughs> and let me know. I'm I want to hear it too. So we try really hard to treat everyone just like we would like to be treated. It's as simple yeah. as. And I don't expect any emails back, but that's fine. I'm just giving an offer. Hey Dana, thanks again for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm sure I'm going to see you pretty soon here again. And I love hearing your insights. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Sock. It's been great to be with you. And if we can help anybody, we'd love to have that opportunity to do so. Thank you. If you got value from this episode, you might consider sharing this content with a friend. But most importantly, be sure to take action on what you've learned. One way you can take the next step is to connect directly with Socket on an investor call. That link is waiting for you in the show notes below. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please consult your own advisors when making any investment decisions. Keep listening. We'll see you on the next episode.